last week uh, we talked about uh, how, you know, every part plays a part. And then this week, it's just me doing everything, except for, you know, the sound at the back there. And uh, so grateful to uh, the sound people, Gary and Zane and C-Pan. Grateful to Sly Stone here for making up the other side of Sly and I uh, to, just, to just worship together. Uh, so, so grateful for that. Um, you know, as we looked back last week at, at how every part played a part. Our, our goal was that as disciples of Jesus Christ, not just like converts, not like, oh, I believe there's a Jesus, or, but that our lives would be devoted to the same thing that the early church was devoted to. Uh, and we were talking about the things they were devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the challenge was, and I encourage you to ask this, how have you done this week? Have you found time to, to spend time in his word? Like, not just, not just reading and say, ah, cool, I, I finished it or I did a quick devotional, but just that slowing down and saying, God, I want to know you. Like, God, help me to hear your word and your voice for me today. That's the, 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 they take something called devotion. It doesn't just happen. And then they were devoted to prayer. You know, and we, we encouraged you last week, would you, would you end your conversations with other Jesus followers just in simple, simple opportunities to pray with them? I was grateful for some, uh, I had one person contact me this week. They just called me and said, hey, you know, I just, I just want to pray with you. I'm like, we didn't even have a conversation. She's just like, I'm just going to pray for you. And I was like, you know what? I will take it. Uh, and it, it was great. And then I found out later on, she was just calling anyone and everyone. She called Canadian Tire to pray for them. She called Timbermart to pray for them. Like if anybody answered, they was getting prayed for. So if uh, just, who knows, you might answer your phone and, uh, and you're going to be encouraged in prayer. And I, I love that. I had some uh, great opportunities this week just to pray with people. And I, you know what, I encourage you, it's to, to, to take that time to do that as well, to be devoted to it. And then just simply devoted to a place of prayer where, where you're just listening for his voice. And yes, it's going to take some time. And yes, it's going to take some effort. But oh man, it's so worth it. So how are you doing with that? And maybe today, maybe this was just a reminder, like, oh yeah, that's what I was going to do. Will you still have time? And I would encourage you to do that. And then finally, they, they, they um, devoted themselves to gathering. They were like, we are not going to, you know, we, we are going to find ways to be together. And for those who are, maybe you're watching this at one of our 10-person gatherings here in the building. Maybe you found a ways to safely gather. I love for those of you who, you know, you can only watch online. That's, that's all, you know, for whatever circumstances, that's all that you're able to do. I, I love hearing how some of you have been getting on the phone with one another, uh, joining each other on a Zoom meeting later and, and going through this together to build one another up. Absolutely love that. Uh, Paul uh, wrote to the, to the Ephesians, and he described the church, the gathering of believers this way. Ephesians 2.20 said this, together, together, you know, not as individuals, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. You know, we're his house, built on a foundation uh, who is Jesus Christ himself. And you know, as I was reading this, I began thinking about the foundation of the church today. That's why we've been looking back at the early church and realizing that they had something that I believe we really need in this day and age. And, and I'm wondering, are we still built on that foundation? Are we still truthfully built on that foundation? Or has it swayed a little bit? Uh, has popular culture caused us to, to sway into different areas, different places? Has, has, has the way that uh, life go, has gone in our lives, has it caused us to change? And so that the question is, is the church still built on that foundation? But we know the church isn't a building or a service. It's individuals. So the question is to me and to you, is my life still built on a proper foundation? Is your life, what's it built on really? What is it built on, really? You know, I, I, I remember when I was building my house, we had to have foundation inspections. And, you know, foundation inspections are, 
they, they don't just happen just one at a time, you know, or once, once in a lifetime. You know, with our house, you know, when you're building it, it's got to pass the foundation inspection. Why? Because you want to make sure that you did it right if you were responsible for it. And then second time there's a, a foundation inspection is when you're buying a house. Why? Because you want to make sure that whoever built that house did it right. And then periodically, we make sure, you know, we check our, our foundation in our home even after the fact because it's good to check it every once in a while to make sure it's still right. I remember, you know, that say, you know, no cracks, no leaks. I remember a neighbor of ours, their house, the back corner of it, all of a sudden, you know, had a bad winter and it, the ice pushed the corners in towards into their basement. And they're like, oh, you know, well, we'll hope for the best. And didn't do anything about it right away. And all of a sudden, you know, then the back of the house starts sagging and it's like, okay, you know, we probably better do something about it before the whole house is gone. And it costs a lot more than if they had dealt with it earlier on. You know, it's, it's important that we inspect those foundations, not just for houses. Houses can be replaced, but what about other things that, that are really built on foundations? For instance, like a country. A country is built on a foundation. A church built on a foundation. A family, a marriage, a life, my life built on a foundation. So the question today is, how is the foundation of your life? How is the foundation? How's your foundation? And it's not a new thought. Jesus spoke about it 2,000 years ago, and that's why we're going to look at that. So if you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter um, 6. Uh, we're going to get there in a minute. But, uh, you know, if you can just picture this, this what we're going to look at tonight, the text is actually, it's one of Jesus' most famous messages. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but I, we, we think that this is actually something that he talked about a lot more than just that one time. Uh, Luke and Matthew both write about it. But he probably shared these types of teachings in a lot of different places. We know at least two different places, but probably many more. And my question is this. Can you just picture it for a moment? Can you just like, you know, maybe you've got to close your eyes so you can picture what it would be like sitting on that hillside. You know, you're just waiting for Jesus to teach. You can hear the kids. They're off playing, you know, happily playing nearby. You look down, you see some ants crawling over your toes, and you're about to be distracted by all that. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to speak. And he begins again with this story. And he tells a story of two guys building houses. And, and maybe, you know, one of your buddies there says, oh, man, I love it when Jesus teaches. He, he's just, like, he's, he's the best storyteller ever. And it's like, come on, come on, listen in. Listen, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. He tells a story. But can, can, can I tell you, it wasn't just a story. The story of the two builders wasn't just a story. And it wasn't just a story then. And it wasn't just a story uh, now. But it was a lesson. It was a warning. It was a plea, actually. It was a plea for people to avoid pain and regret. And it was kind of the grand finale of this, this teaching on, on the mountain. So uh, we're going to take a look at Luke's portion of it, and we're going to come to Matthew's at the end. Luke's account, Luke chapter 6. But I actually want to look at this a little bit differently today. I don't know, back in the day I was at um, Canada's Wonderland. I don't even know if they still have this ride, but they had a ride when I was younger called The Bat. And it was a roller coaster that you went forwards through this whole loop-de-loop. And then if you weren't sick yet, then they run you through it backwards. And I was like, oh, you know, and I know that can be like a bit on the, on the um, intestinal fortitude. But to, tonight, I want to try and do that with this scripture and take it forwards. And then we're going to go through it backwards. So here's where we go. Forwards first, and we're going to do it a little quicker. So Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus is saying, to them, he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. Verse 47, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, when they listen to my teaching, and then follow it. Verse 48, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and they break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds their house right on the ground. 
without a foundation at all. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. You know, Jesus ends his whole talk with these words. Let me just show them to you again. Verse 49. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, what does it say? It will collapse into a heap of ruins. The New King James and other ones translated it as this. It will, it was, it will be a great fall. Or, or the fall was great. It wasn't just, like, it was like an epic collapse. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, you know, the, his little straw, straw hut fell down. It was like, this was something, this was a, a, a substantial structure that just collapsed. And so, you know, I think Jesus is like telling people, just picture the worst possible scenario. And I, I'd encourage you to do that for a second. You know, have you ever seen like an epic collapse? I, I just encourage you, picture the worst possible. And maybe for you, it's like me. You're reminded of um, the Twin Towers going down on 9-11. Most people remember where they were. And, and, and you look at that scene. And, and it, I remember, like, you'd look, and then you, you, you'd look away. Like, I can't. But, yeah, I got to look again. And, and, and then you look away because it's like there's just too much. But my question is this. Have you seen epic collapses in other areas that don't involve buildings? Maybe for you, you were a spectator to a country or a culture that collapsed as a result of war or emergency. Um, maybe you were part of a church that collapsed. It divided over the differences they had, and maybe it's dissolved at this point. I've been there. Maybe you watched a marriage or a family crumble when they faced difficulty. Maybe you saw a person whose decisions in life, you know, it led to like a train wreck of a life. And you watch, and it's the same thing. You look, and you're like, oh. You look away, it's just, man, it just hurts too much. But you, know, you look back and like, oh, the decisions they've made that led them there. And maybe, you know, there's some of you watching that, you know, you'd say, well, I wasn't actually a spectator. You know, I, I was one of the participants. Or maybe you'd say like, oh, to be honest, I'm like the main character in the story. Like I've had these epic collapses in my life. You know, whatever it was or whoever it was. We never like seeing an epic collapse, ever, especially if it's us. This is one of those things we want to avoid. Nobody plans to say, man, I, you know, I hope everything goes wrong in my life. We, 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 don't, we don't want to see that. But the thing we got to look at is what happened before this? What happened before all this? You know when you watch a movie and then, you, you know, it's one of those movies where you watch and then all of a sudden it, it, the scene comes up and says six months earlier or 2.3 years ago, this, this happened. It, it takes you back. Or, you know, 10 years ago, it takes you back. Here's the thing that we need to look at. What came before this epic collapse that Jesus is describing? What comes before the epic collapses in our life? Something happens before then. And before the crash came a storm. The storm, what's a storm? It's an event that facilitates the great fall. It's an event that facilitates the epic collapse. Something happens and it causes this great collapse. Something happened to that house. Something happened to that country. Something happened to that marriage. Something happened to that family. Something happened to that person. And they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for it. And as a result, there's an epic collapse. You know, the thing we learn about storms, storms are inevitable. Inevitable. They're going to happen. You might be able to avoid some storms in your life, but you cannot avoid them all. You cannot avoid all the storms in your life. They're, they're coming for you. You know, storms are just simply a result of this world that's been broken by sin. May we live in a place where storms are frequent and furious. You know, life is not utopian. Life is not perfect. You know, we, we wish it was. It, it's not perfect and it never can be. But there's this longing in our hearts 
for perfection. There's this longing in our hearts for happiness that we wish we wish that it could you know, be, be perfect or be better or everything could be equal. We have this, this desire on the inside of us, a longing that, that we have, but we don't have the ability. We don't have the ability to actually create that for ourselves. You know, we long for this, but we can't actually make it happen. You know, people have tried. People have tried throughout history to make these things better, to make life better, to, to solve problems, to make the storms you know, less, less likely or whatever. But we are lousy as people at controlling outcomes. We kind of think, well, we can play God in the, in the, in the picture, and yet we, we make a mess of it in the end. You know, we've seen countries that have tried communism and socialism to bring about equality, and in the end, it just brought about more hurt and more heartache uh, as a result. We've seen movements that have risen up to deal with racism, and all that they've done is decide that we're going to hate the privileged. So instead of them being racist against us, we will now be racist against them, but we'll call it something else. You know, societies that have become obsessed with safety, that they've put a whole bunch of other lives at risk as a result. We're just like, oh, we're going to save the world. And yet we, what, what, what happened to those people? You know, spouses that have tried to control people and their, their, control their spouse because they're like too afraid that they might leave them. And then, and then what they worst fear comes upon them and they watch them walk out the door. You know, or the helicopter parents who are like, they're going to protect their kids from everything rather than equip their children to live in a world and watch them as teenagers or university students walk away from family, walk away from faith. We, we see it happen because we're not, we're not good at that. You know, I think we see, you know, sometimes it's like trying to solve, a, solve all the world's problems like that. It's like playing whack-a-mole. I don't know if you ever played whack-a-mole, but the mole always wins. It doesn't matter how many times you hit the mole, there's another one that comes up until eventually you lose. And that's the same idea as, as this, is that as we try to say, well, we'll deal with all the storms, we'll, deal, we'll figure our, our way around all these storms ourselves with our own kind of ideas, <laughs> we end up with these epic collapses. Storms, they're inevitable. Second, storms... They do not come to make you better. They do not come to improve your life. You know, you've never, I've, I don't know, I've never had it where a windstorm came through and put shingles and siding back onto my house. You know, I've never had a tornado come and improve, you know, my trampoline. I've never had a flood come and add value to my basement, unless you call it an indoor pool, but otherwise, no, it didn't add any value. The storms are coming to take you out all the time. They're inevitable. They're coming to take you out, and they're coming to test your life to test the foundation, to see what, is, what are they really built on. You know, just because you pass the test once, that's not a guarantee that you're going to pass it all the time. And that's why we say it's so important to inspect the foundation more than once. We're not going to avoid future storms, so we need to be ready for every storm. That's why we need to keep checking. You know, John F. Kennedy's father, his name was Joseph, he said this, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I'm like, okay, where? Where, where, do, where do they go? But I like the thought of when the, when the going gets tough, the tough do something. And my question for you is this. When the going gets tough in your life, when the storm hits, what do you do? What have you done before? What did it look like before? What, what do you know saying, this is what I will do? You know, I, I know some are just simply saying, well, when the storm, when things get tough, I just do what everyone else is doing, you know, and hopefully it works out. You know, or I just do whatever's easiest. And, and, and cross my fingers. Or I try to find advice from a whole bunch of different people. I'm like, eh, okay, I'll pick this one and I, I'll, do, I'll do that. Or maybe if you're honest, you're like, yeah, when the going gets tough, man, I'm like just tempted to quit. When that depression comes in again, I'm just tempted just to give up. You know, when it's like the pressure feels even stronger. And I thought I was on my way up, but I, 
feel like I'm on my way down. I just want to give up. I know that's real. I know that's real. But it's coming to test the very foundation of what's deep down inside of you. What is your life built on? What, what rises up in those moments when you hit those lows? You know, watch the movie. It's an old movie called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. It's the true story of Sonara Carter. Uh, most of the movie isn't true, we found out, but, but there are some true parts in it. And Sonara was a, a, a horse diver, and so it's, they don't do that anymore. I think PETA might have stepped in, but, you know, they used to have this, this um, show where the girl ride up this, this ramp and then dive her horse into a pool, and she did it for seven years. And uh, after seven years, there was an accident, and she ended up having her eyes open and, and when she hit the water, and, and her retinas detached, and she was permanently blind. You know, as that set in at age 27, to be blind for the rest of your life, she tells a story later at 87 where it's like, I just wouldn't give up. She like, I had to find a way that I was going to find a way to do what others thought was impossible. And she ended up finding a way to continue to dive on these horses for years after that as a result. Something on the inside, I was like, I'm not going to quit. My life is built on something stronger than that. You know, I think that if that's, if that's something that somebody, you know, just in a secular way can do, what about for us? What about for us as Jesus followers? And here we see, you know, we see, the, we see the people who've gone through epic collapse, but then we see the neighbor, Luke chapter 6, verse 48, as we back a little further, it says, Jesus said this, it's like a person building a house who digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. Here you see the same storm, different outcome. Different house, different outcome. You know, and my question is, which one would you rather be? Have you ever asked yourself that question, honestly? Just saying like, man, where do I want my life to be after the next storm that comes? We don't, we don't get to choose when or how bad or how big that storm comes. Where do I want to be? Where do I want to be standing after that? You know, would my life, would my faith, would my family, would my, my marriage, would it survive a difficult storm? You know, both houses actually looked pretty good before the storm hit. That would be the assumption that both houses looked fine. That's why they built, these, they built these homes. There was no indication that an epic collapse was just on the horizon for one of them. They didn't even know. And I think there's a lot of Christians who find themselves in that, in that moment, in that place where it's like they, they, don't, they don't think anything's coming. They're just like, ah, it's all good. Everything seems okay. And even if they sort of see a storm approaching, things aren't really great at home. Things are, you know, things are real difficult with the kids. There's like, yeah, I don't know about all the pressure that's being put on me in these different areas. Like, yeah, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm leaning to some of these, um, some of these vices more than I wish I, wish I was. They, they have this mentality of like, oh, it's, it'll just blow over. The storm will just blow. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. It's just going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It's just going to be fine. You know, as I read about the children of Israel, when they left Egypt and they were about to enter the promised land that God had given them, they'd been in the desert for 40 years. They were like right and ready to enter the promised land. Moses gives them a speech, and you can find it in Deuteronomy 8. I don't have enough time to read the whole thing to you, but it's worth reading. But he says to them in this, Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, I just want you to see a few words. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years. He was humbling you. He was testing you to prove your character. That's what happens in some of these tough spots. He says he, was, he wanted to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. And then, uh, then Moses goes on to tell him, man, but, but I know, man, the 40 years was tough. But guess what? You're right on the verge of the promised land. And let me tell you what it's like, man. It's like a resort. Like you don't, you don't, the food is just like so plentiful there. You just, you, you're never going to have, you, you haven't, ate this good in your lifetime, and it's going to be the rest of your life like this. There's so much good stuff in the hills, and he's like, it's going to be epic. 
you can't wait to get there. And they're like, yes, we can't wait to get there. Finish the speech. And so he carries on in Deuteronomy 8, verses 10. And he says this, but when, (laughs) when you've eaten your fill, when you're in that land where it's so good, he's like, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Like, I believe that we've been living in this time right now where it's like this. We've been living in this land of goodness for a long time. In this nation, we've been living in the spot where it's been really, really good. And he's, Moses is saying to remember, when you're in that spot, praise the Lord for that goodness. Because he says that in verse 11, that's the time to be careful. Wait, is everything's going well? He's like, yeah, exactly. That's the moment. You better be checking the foundation. Beware that in the plenty you do not forget. What does he start off? He says, hey, remember. And then he says, and then do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands or his regulations or the decrees that I'm giving you today. Verse 17, we skip ahead. He says, he did all of this. Like He gave all this stuff to you. He made this all possible. He says, but he says, so he says he did all this so you would never say to yourself that I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. He says, that's what happens when you get in the land of the goodness. It's like the foundation begins to shift. Pride begins to come in, like, look what I've done. Look at how much I, look at what I've made. Look at, I'm a self-made man. You know, look at what I, look at what I've achieved. You know, and the, it, it begins to, it begins to change that now instead of God, well, I'll trust my wealth. I got enough money saved up in the bank, I think. I'll, I'll begin to trust that. Or I'll trust comfort. You know, I'd rather be comfortable. And, and I'll just trust as long as I'm comfortable, everything is okay. Verse 18, he says, remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you power to be successful. Your success is because of him. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. He says, but I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you're certainly going to be destroyed. This is the Old Testament story of, of something that Jesus was talking about. When we watch the Old Testament story. We like, he said, you know, you'd think that they would learn and say, yeah, okay, when I get into the good land, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember. And we watch in the Old Testament, if you read it over and over and over again, the people forget God, lean into their own things, end up, end up with an epic collapse as a result, and then come back to God as, as a result, and it just goes over and over and over. And the New Testament writers, they would write the same thing to the New Testament believers. This can happen to you as well uh, as Jesus followers. Why? Because the truth is, there's a common denominator in all the stories. And you know what it is? People. People. You and me. People are the same everywhere and all throughout time. There's little differences, but right to the core of us, there's this similar thing, this similar behavior. So if it could happen to people 4,000 years ago, it could happen to people 2,000 years ago when Jesus was talking about it. Could it not happen today? Could it not happen to real people right here, right now? Could it be that you or me or my family, my marriage, this church, you know, our country, could it possibly be on the verge of a great fall, an epic collapse and not even know it? Could we be facing an epic storm and not realize it? I think it's possible. So our foundation matters more than ever. You know, the good news, though, and there is good news in this story. We want to finish with that. The good news is that one house was still left standing in the story. And the truth is, we know why it was left standing. We know why. You know, the children of Israel were kind of the example, but Jesus is like, here's why. And it has everything to do with the foundation. So as we back up to Luke 6, 47, Jesus says, I'll show you what it's like when someone does three things, when they come to me, when they listen to my teaching, and when they follow it. When they come to me, he says, it's not like when they come to religion or they come to a church. Or He's like, when they come to me. 
Paul actually wrote about it to the Ephesians and Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. He says it this way, because of God's grace to me. He says, I've laid a foundation like an expert builder. Others are building on it, but whoever is building on the foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any other foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. He's like, it is Jesus is the foundation of, of the Christian life. It is not our behaviors, none of that. It's him. It's him. You know, in John 8, we read this today, actually, through our Bible reading. Jesus called people to a number of things. He called them to hear his word, called them to trust his word, called them to make room in their hearts for his word, called them to obey his word, and then simply said, would you remain in the word? As disciples, that's what you do. You're devoted to all of those things. God, I want to hear it. God, I trust it. God, I'm, I'm making room in my heart for you. And God, I want to remain in this. This is, where, this is where I want to be. No matter what happens, those are the people who are built on a solid foundation. And it won't matter what kind of storm comes. It could be a health storm. You could be ending up in the hospital like our friends. You know, it, it won't matter. That storm won't matter. You know, it could be a people issues. It could be persecution. It could be trials. It could be culture coming against you or cancel culture just leaving you. It could be fear. It could be war, rumors of war, whatever. Whatever the storm is, it won't matter if the foundation is there. You will not collapse. You will not collapse if that foundation is, is uh, if you're built your life on that foundation. You know, Paul reminds the believers of the good news. He says, this is, this is the good news. This is what our lives are centered around. You know, he actually wrote 1 Corinthians as a reminder to them in all of these different areas that the gospel has to and, and needs to affect every aspect of your life. It's not just, you know, how you got saved. It, it, it plays a part in everything. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, he says, so let me remind you. Let me remind you of the good news that you first believed. He's like, this is what I preached to you, and you welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. Again, that picture of a foundation. He says, verse 2, it's this good news that saves you. If you continue, remember, there's that word again. If you're going to remain in it, in the message that I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. He's like, I passed on to you what was most important that had been passed on to me. And here's what he says. This is the good news. This is the gospel. He said, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. Jesus died for our sin, just as Scripture said. Then it says he was buried. He was buried. It wasn't just that he, you know, he died. He was, he was dead, dead. He was buried, and then he was raised from the dead on the third day. <laughs> That's, you know, the first two points, the first two points, I mean, somebody died and somebody was buried. That's pretty common for a lot of people. But here's where the, the, the whole thing changes. It says he rose from the dead on the third day. And then scripture said he was seen by Peter, then by the 12. And he goes on to list up to 500 other people who saw Jesus alive. This was, this was a thing that they wrote about many, many. Luke said many, many attempted to write about what had happened because something had happened. And Paul's like saying, he says to them, this gospel, this good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for you, He's like, it is the only foundation that a Christian can build their life on. You know, we just sang that song, I will build my life upon your love. And it was for love that God sent his son for us. So my question remains, how about you and how about me? What are we building our life on, really? What have we? Is, is our foundation in him alone? Are your decisions based on that foundation alone? It's a good question for us to think about. And we leave with this final verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus says to them, so why? And this is how he started. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? 
Matthew actually helps us understand this one a little bit better, so I want to finish with his words. He says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, Not everyone who calls out to me, saying, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we perform many miracles in your name. And he says, but I will reply, I I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And that's actually where he steps in and tells the story of the two builders. You know, Jesus makes this clear distinction between the two types of people. He's like, it doesn't, doesn't matter for the people who say, Lord, who say I'm a Christian, who say I believe there's a God. He's like, there's a clear distinction between those who say and those who do. Those who actually live like he's their master. Those who live like he's the foundation. He says, I never knew you, which is a Jewish idiom for intimacy. That, that connection between a married couple. He's like, I, I says, I ne- we've never been intimately connected. You might have known about me. You might have heard about me is what he would say. You know, the world's heard about God. But he says, but we weren't intimately connected. And it wasn't that, that I didn't want to know you. You didn't let me get to know you. You never opened your heart to me as master. You never opened your heart to say, I'm going to make room for you, Jesus. Like, my life is not my own anymore. It's yours. Would you move in and would you do whatever you want to do in here? That heart attitude that wasn't just, I wasn't just saved out of my old life. I was saved into a new life. If our new life doesn't look any different than what our old life was, then Jesus was just an add-on. He wasn't the one. And Jesus was never meant to be an add-on in our life. He's meant to be the one who rules and controls every aspect of our life in an ongoing way, more and more to that spot. Whereas Jesus' followers, like those early disciples, drawn to his word with that, oh, God, I want to know you attitude and approach to it, totally dependent on him, trusting in him above all things, no matter what storm you face, like, man, I'm in. I loved Nadine's prayer that she sent out, I believe today or yesterday. She gave us kind of an update on what what Gerard's going through and then just finished it with, thank you for your prayers. God is good. And there's somebody who's got a foundation realizing it doesn't matter what the storm is. It isn't going to change the foundation that my God is good. My God is good. And because of that, he has full access to my heart and every part of it. Leave you with one thought. It's a song. A woman named Annie Hawks, she was a housewife in 1872 and was busy with her daily tasks. And she, you know, at age 37, had a young child at home and she's doing all of her stuff. And then all of a sudden she has this awareness, just an awareness of, of, of the presence and the goodness of God. And as she's contemplating that, she has this thought. She's, she's like, I wonder, how could anyone live without him? How could anyone live without him? Whether it's through joy or through pain, how could anyone live without him? And she just slowed down for a little bit to ponder that thought. These lyrics came to her mind, and she began, to, she began to write them down. She gave them to her pastor to help put them into a song. But here's the lyrics of the song. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. And if you know it, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. 
need thee. Like every hour. I, I need thee every, every minute. God, when I'm with you, life is different. As she writes about it, temptation is not the same. And, you know, there's a peace that passes understanding. I, I need you, God. I need you. That is the life of a Jesus follower devoted to him. Hey, I need you. I think the world would, 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 would recognize that on the inside. This, man, there's a longing in there that I, that I know that I need. And maybe that's you as well. The thing is, that song went to touch millions of people's lives as a result. And later on, she said, I wrote that song in joy. I just wrote that song in a moment of peace and joy. And then she says, but I found out the truth of it when I lost my husband years later. It was there that I understood once again that it wasn't just in joy, but that it was in pain. I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. My challenge for us this evening, and I say us, I mean me and you, is just to simply take a look at our lives. Say, where's my foundation? Has it slipped in any way? Has it slipped with pride? Has it slipped with wealth? Has it slipped with comfort? Has it slipped in any way away from just simply being Jesus? I need you. Take it all. Everything else can go. Just give me Jesus. Just want it to be about Jesus. That's the type of life that will be ready when the next storm hits. And man, as your pastor and as my hope is that our church of individuals, you will be rock solid in your trust in him. Thinking about that this morning. You know, sometimes it's hard to trust him. But here's my question. Would you rather trust the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-faithful, all-good, ever-present God of the universe or someone else? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm going with him. I'm going with him. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the simplicity of it that we can just simply understand what it looks like. Help us to be aware of the fact that we are building our lives right now that we have those options and choices and now we're going to build. Jesus, I pray tonight that you would do for others what you've done for me. It's just to reveal the truth of who you are. That you would draw us away from everything that distracts just simply to the truth of your good news. Simply to the, to the relationship with you. God, I thank you for the chance to, to do this tonight. Pray that for everyone listening, that these words would inspire, would inspire. God, I thank you for what you've done in my life, and I just give you glory and praise for it. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you a chance tonight to, uh, or today, or whatever it is, to take a couple minutes to just go a little deeper, to allow this to, 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 um, for God and maybe even to, for you to wrestle with some of these thoughts, uh, especially if you have a chance to chat with others about it. It's how the each part plays its part. So here they are real quick. What jumped out at you today? We always say, what made you, ha- what made you glad? What made you mad? Why? What was it that you, that you thought about? Maybe it was like, well, it was, hmm, I got to think about a little bit more about that. 
what was it? Second, uh, what kind of storms have you witnessed in life? Like maybe we mentioned some and others were like, yeah, yeah, I saw this is something that took out, you know, my friend, my family, whatever, whatever it was. What kind of storms have you witnessed? And then uh, who's someone that you've seen stand firm on Christ through a great storm? Who are the heroes that you've seen? I mean, maybe they're biblical, but maybe they're just sitting around you. Jesus followers were like, man, I know that I know that I know that they trust God. And man, we have a number of them. I just some, some names come to mind even as I'm thinking about it right now. I've seen that, and it, it is inspiring. It's inspiring. It just, again, once again, proves it to be true. And then finally, what are you building your life on right now? Truth, truthfully, what are you building your life on right now? Is it simply on him? Is it simply on the things that matter for eternity? Or are there distractions that have shifted that away? So I encourage you to have, a, have some chats about it. I, again, I encourage you, after those conversations, would you pray with each other? Would you pray with each other? Just take a minute or whatever it is out loud. I know it might feel whatever, a little awkward, but man, it's for their good and for yours as well. Leaving for great things. Hope you guys have a, a fantastic rest of, uh, rest of your week. Look forward to seeing uh, and chatting with you guys again soon. We'll talk to you later.